Welcome to StoryWise. This is the podcast designed to give you the in-depth story behind some of our top storytellers as a way to inform, inspire, and motivate you to believe that you too can make your dreams a reality. My name is Jen Grisanti. I am the career story consultant at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc., a writer's consultancy committed to guiding your vision through one-on-one consult and helping you get to the next step in your career. I am honored to have as my guests today my first writing team, TJ Brady and Rashid Newson from the hit show on Fox, Lie to Me. Let me tell you about TJ and Rashid. TJ was born and raised in upstate New York. He attended the United States Military Academy at West Point, where he served as an officer for five years in a tank battalion, achieving the rank of captain. TJ then moved to New York and studied writing at Gotham's Writers Workshop at night. He had a day job working uh, selling lighting equipment. Rashid is from Indianapolis, Indiana. He graduated from Georgetown University and he moved to Los Angeles in 2002 where he has worked as a production assistant, a communications assistant, an assistant to a showrunner, and a second assistant to the head of a network. TJ and Rashid met in a small writer's group in a dark coffee shop. I love that. And their first project that they worked on was called Pink Butterfly. It was a short which was accepted into the 2005 Los Angeles Short Film Festival. TJ and Rashid, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. (laughs) It is a pleasure to have you here. You are my first writing team, so I am very excited about the idea of going into the world of what it is to be a writing team and how all that works. What I'd love to start with is your story up to this point. So separately, I would love to hear you each give me a sense of when you first thought you'd want to be a writer and what your journey has been, say, from graduation up to this point. Uh, This is TJ. I first knew I wanted to be a writer, I guess, in sixth grade when I won a poetry contest. Um, Growing up in upstate New York, I didn't really know how that could ever happen. And like you said, I was in the Army and everything. Um, I got out of the Army, moved to New York. And when I got here and met Rashid, um, I had no idea what the heck was going on. I really didn't. I got in town, had no idea. Linking up with Rashid was uh, a huge blessing in that dark coffee shop. Um, I mean, from I just had no idea. He had been in town for a few years. He knew his way around. I knew I could write. I had a lot of separate features, uh, you know, that I'd written by myself. And I, joining up with him as a, a team really kind of changed the whole writing experience for me. Um, it wasn't a solitary, lonely grind anymore. It was, it was something fun to do it was uh it it totally changed it around and uh i don't know i i highly recommend people uh team up if they can find somebody with with you know who they get along with so well and whose sensibilities match up as well too um good advice rashid how about you um i knew i wanted to be a writer it feels like all my life when i was a little kid instead of throwing a tantrum when i was upset with my parents i would go to my room and write them a letter and say, oh, I love that. And say, I'm not happy that I can't stay up past 9 o'clock 
here are the names of my friends who can. Why, what, what, why can't I? Um, and when I got into college, um, I was going to school in D.C., so I ended up working for a lot of nonprofits and wrote speeches and press releases and all other sorts of propaganda and eventually decided I love writing more than I love politics. Um, so after college, moved out to L.A. and wrote uh, features on my own and a couple of pilots on my own. And I enjoyed that. But then I met, I met T.J., um, and I think he's right. I mean, it, it did get a lot more fun. And also, I got a lot more confidence in what in the feeling that what we were doing actually was good. You know, it wasn't just me sitting in the room trying to convince myself it was good. It was like, okay. Um, and, I, and I knew a lot of what we were doing was good because TJ doesn't hesitate to say, well, I don't think that's working. <laughs> and, and vice versa. So, I mean, you kind of keep each other honest and you keep yourself, you keep each other disciplined. But, I mean, it, and it's better better that, you know, we can point that out to each other before you pour weeks, months, years into a script only to have a studio exec or an agent point out what's not working, and you're not going to get that second shot. So, See, I love that. And now take me into, since you both uh, worked individually as writers, take me into what the transition was like. Like, TJ, you touched on some things as far as individually, yes, you were lonely, but I'm sure you had a process that worked and was it an adjustment learning like who writes what part we actually write a lot of parts i mean most of what the process is now is us sitting in a room talking for hours days whatever it takes just about an idea about characters about story about you know just different ideas until we start finding things that we're passionate about. I think it's all born out of when, when we find something in an, an arena or about a certain type of character that we are both passionate about, we just kind of run in that direction. Um, and it's kind of born out of that. That's Before we ever start writing, that's kind of where the, the teamwork really comes in right there. Yeah, and we put together sort of a, we put together a beat sheet or an outline where it says, okay, this is, these are the things we think are going to happen. And you just keep passing it back and forth. I mean, before we got hired as writers professionally, you know, I would be at my computer um, in between you know, meetings and phone calls, and I would just do something with the beat sheet. And if I thought, okay, well, I can't do anything else with this today, I'd email it to TJ, and then he'd come up with the next six. And you just keep this back and forth sort of thing going. Oh, that sounds great. And I mean, would you say like one is more, say, plot driven and the other is more emotional driven? Or would you say both contribute equally on both sides? This is no BS. I, I, <laughs> I think we're actually, when it comes to plot, character uh, and emotion and things like that, we're pretty evenly matched, which is why I think we teamed up. We, we happen to know different characters. I mean, there's certain. I mean, there's certain experiences that TJ just he knows these people. I mean, we'll create a character, and it's like okay, TJ's going to write that guy or, or write that woman because he he knows that character, and vice versa. That's good. I like that. And then you know, once once it gets down to script, we you know, in TV we have a bunch you know six act structure. We team up. We we assign each other. You know, I'll do one, three, and five. You do two, four, and six. But then we we swap them. And we go through it uh, almost as if we are rewriting the other person. But it's not really drastic rewriting. It's, we just call it combing through. We pass it back and forth over and over again on each other's stuff till by the end it's in, a, it's in a good unified voice and we both like what's on the page. Now what happens if you disagree? How do, how do you work out the disagreements on the story points? 
<laughs> we we talk about them. Good thing is we don't we don't really yell. We we we're pretty. Um, yeah, you guys are mild mannered. Yeah, mean. I mean we we laugh about. It. I mean I mean the best will be sort of like, oh, do you do you think that's funny? I mean that sort of thing. Is, oh, you think that beat works? Or better, typically than saying, ah, this doesn't work. As you go, you know, I thought this scene was something else. I thought this scene would go like this. So you just and hopefully the other person goes, oh, oh, that is better. That's one way, and typically, I mean, if we get to a, a standstill, it's honestly whoever is more passionate about their point of view, and that's that's. I mean, we're both honest with each other and honest with ourselves. So, whoever is clearly more passionate about that will at least get the chance to try it that way. We're not going to say don't do it that way, or I, I refuse to let. I mean, if I mean wh- whoever is really willing to to make that stand, will will let the other person at least have the shot. And when you think back to your for, your first project together with Pink Butterfly, and you think about <laughs> <laughs> what your process was then versus what your process is now. I think we were two bored guys in L.A. with a camera, uh, which typically is dangerous, but it, <laughs> it worked out for us. Um, we had a silly short film script, and it was sort of like, okay, how do we get this done? Um and it was it was just a lot of fun. I mean, it was it was it was a, it was a comedy and it was jokey, and you just start you know just kind of passed it back and forth, putting in the things we thought worked. I really, I mean, we like I said, it's it's combing through it and it's just ping pong. We ping pong the thing back and forth, over and over again, so many times. It started then, and there was really no problem with it. And I could see that he was a guy that could take feedback. I was a guy who could take feedback, and the key really is just being open to new ideas. Um, some people think, you know, they have a monopoly on good ideas. Um, and I think that actually hurts, hurts the finished product. It hurts the script. Um, we've, had, we've had great ideas and scripts we've written come from people who, who, don't, who aren't even writers. So When there's also this thing, like, you know, if someone's suggesting an idea and, and people say no immediately, I was like, you haven't even heard the thing out. You haven't even thought about it. I mean, there are ideas, there have been suggestions I've heard or beats that have been suggested where I thought, that's never going to work. Oh, that's going to be horrible. And then, you know, you just think about it for a day and I go, oh, oh, now I see how that could work. And then and you're happy for it. But you just got to, you got to at least give gotta it a chance. Got to be open to it. Somebody once said, um, I believe it was Jason Filardi who wrote 17 again. He said, a writer's greatest asset is flexibility and openness and the idea of when ideas come in to, to being open to them. Now, as far, how long have you guys been friends? Uh, I'd say five or six years now. Yeah. I, I, I guess, yeah, a little over five years. Great, great. And what do you like the best about working as a team, and what do you like the least about working as a team? <laughs> I can answer. I think the least for both of us is that we split a paycheck. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I second that. That is definitely, I mean, I mean, really probably the only bad part. I mean, you do the work of two people, and you get paid as one. But, I mean, you also know that that's part of the reason people hire you, because they go, oh, it's a deal. I, I wouldn't trade the other half of the paycheck to be on my own. I, w- I will say that. Oh, that's so nice. That's <laughs> so nice. Well, I, all right, so what do I like? Besides, you know, uh, the fact that you, you, you tend to work a little faster than, than one person, um, you've also got someone who can just help you out. Being a staff writer, when we first started it's so dizzying. You're walking into this room. You don't know anybody. You don't know the rules. You're not sure what's expected of you. 
And it's just good to have someone who, when you get back to your office, you can go, did that happen? Did you understand that to mean what I thought it meant? Am I crazy or did so-and-so just, you know. And, and, you have and, someone to interpret. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's well, great. It's, and it's somebody to remind you, you know, all writers to some extent, maybe Rashid excluded, have a little bit of insecurity, you know, about what, the, I mean, it's just good to have. Really? Yeah. To have somebody say, no, 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 what you wrote is good or what your ideas are good or, or your instincts were good. It's good to have that boost. You see a lot of writers who don't have that, and it, it, it can kind of turn into a black hole and suck a lot of your, your energy into that black hole worrying. And we have it's, – it's kind of like a built-in safety net. How long was your journey from the time you graduated to the time you got your first job? From the time I graduated college, uh, it was quite – it was – I graduated in 96, and so it was 11 years. But uh, I don't really count five of those years because I was serving in the Army. So I knew I wanted to be a writer of some kind. I thought maybe I'd be a, a journalist or a novelist or work for, you know, work for a magazine or something like that. Um, and it wasn't until I got out of the Army, which is kind of what I consider my real graduation. Tell me about what it was to work in the military. I certainly noticed that is a theme in in your writing, and it obviously had a very profound effect on your life. What what was that experience like? It was a huge eye opening experience for me. Um, a kid from a small town is now exposed to people uh, who would later become characters, as I think about them, from every part of this country, big cities, small towns, north, south, east, and west, rich, poor. I mean, there's a lot of people in that organization for a lot of different reasons. And uh, sanity level goes from one side of the spectrum to the other as well. So you really get to see a lot of different sides of, of the human condition. But the, the biggest thing about it was it taught me leadership. Um, I think that good leadership is a skill uh, that should permeate every type of endeavor in life, you know, whether it's writing for a TV show, whether it's running a car wash, it doesn't really matter. It's just you're trying to, in, someone somewhere is trying to inspire a group of people toward a common goal. And that's why I love writing TV so much, because that's exactly what's going on from the writer's room to every PA on that set. And I, I, I love it. I think that's wonderful. Rashid, how about you? Um, from the time I graduated, I um, it took seven years, um, and I moved out here, and I was absolutely sure that I was going to make it within six months. Um, I was I was excited. I, I landed a job at Fox as an assistant in the publicity office, and I, mean, I loved every minute of it. And I went on to become a production assistant and just work on a few shows. And for a very long time, I thought, well, next week is going to be the week that I get hired to uh, to actually write, and that 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 kept me going for for a good long while. Um, the only there were a couple periods of unemployment that were sort of dark, and oddly enough, it was during one of those periods that TJ and I really sort of began working together because I was just sitting around, yeah. and we thought, well, why don't we, you know, why don't we do something together in television? Yeah, we had all these separate feature scripts. In that little coffee shop group, he was one of the few people I trusted. And we said, let's make a go at TV. We, we're not even, this is a whole avenue open to us that we're not even attacking. And one thing I would like to share with the audience is TJ and Rashid, actually, I worked with them on a number of scripts in my consulting business. 
And they said to me, we are going to be your biggest success story. <laughs> and I will never forget the confidence you had when you said that. You're like, we're going to be writing a testimonial for you. We are going to be your biggest success story. And I, I, I bring that up because anyone who I've seen succeed in this town had that same vision and the same confidence of this is going to happen. So I am like the proud mama looking at you guys. Well, we, we appreciate it, and we, we definitely owe a lot to you, so thank you. You got it. Now take me into staff, getting staffed on Lie to Me, knowing that you had the years after school, knowing that you, I'm sure, had many a moments, as many writers do. I, I had one writer in here who, who graduated from Duke, and it took 17 years till his first paying writing job. So what was it like when you heard you got staffed on Lie to Me? I was at home. We had had the interview on a Monday, and we were finding out on Tuesday night. And I had worked all day on Tuesday selling lights, which is a fine job, uh, just not one that I particularly loved. It didn't, it didn't keep me going. Uh, it's not what I wanted to do the rest of my life. And I got home, and all day that's all I could think about. And the showrunner called and told us we had the job. And in short order, our agent agents called and told us we had the job. And I hung up, and I hugged my wife, and it was very emotional. I love it. It was extremely emotional moment. Um, I mean, because my wife had stood by me through our move out here, through everything, and she she kept me going. She uh, she believed that that moment would happen probably more than I did. And uh, I'll just was let she Rashid pregnant talk. at that time? <laughs> she was not. She was not. But. Um, Shortly thereafter. Shortly thereafter, yes. It didn't take too long. I guess celebration. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it was a very emotional uh, moment for us, and uh, I owe her a lot for uh, for getting me to that moment. Um, we got the call that we were going to be hired at a little bit before 5 o'clock, and that stands out because I was working at CBS at the time for Nancy Tellum, and I was scheduled to get off every day at 6.30. So I had to give uh, poor Nancy Tellum an hour and a half's notice because they wanted us to start the next day. Oh, my God. Um, she was she, she gave me her blessing and a hug. So I, I'll, I'll always appreciate that. Uh, but, I mean, I was I was walking on air. I mean, I'd, I'd waited for this for so long and wanted it for so long. And I just, I mean, when we finally showed up for work that first day, I came with a box. Like with pictures and book, I mean, I was ready to decorate and and, and just sort of be there, and um, we got hired on the on, on Lie to Me, which shoots on the Fox lot, which was the first place I had a job. So I, I knew where I knew where the cafeteria was, I knew where the offices was. I mean, I felt like I'd kind of come home, uh, and I just I dreamed about it so much it felt like deja vu. And and but for me, I mean, he was that's the opposite from what I was. I I was convinced I was going to show up, and they were going to say it was a mistake. Sorry to mess with you. Please go home. You know, I was. I'm always a little bit. Um, That's honest. I it, like it, that. it takes me a little bit longer to accept the good things that that come my way because I'm always looking for the uh, the sucker punch right after it. So that's another good reason I'm glad I have Rashid. I, I come. From, my mom used to say, "Somebody has to win. Why not us?" And that's just. I just figure. I mean, if a good thing's got to happen, why why shouldn't it be to us? 
I love that. You you definitely, Rashid, have more of a spiritual approach to life. I definitely notice that. I think it's interesting saying you're, I mean, TJ, you're very optimistic as well, but in yeah, almost in different ways, yeah. you know. I, I went to Catholic school all my life, so some, <laughs> of, it, some of it rammed <laughs> off. It was good. I, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, you know, I'm very optimistic, but I'm always wary. So. And now being on staff and certainly being picked up for season two, which is the biggest challenge of being a staff writer, is will we get picked up for the second season? That was also a huge moment, and the show is doing very well. The show is now on Monday nights at 9 o'clock, right? Absolutely. After yeah. House. After just... House. That's a great pairing. We love that. We love that. Now, what it, What was the first day in the writer's room, which you t tapped on a little bit, but, but what was the actual first day? How did you feel? And looking at that first day and looking at now, how you feel in the writer's room, t take me through that journey at first you don't you know you're not sure if you're allowed to talk how much you're allowed to talk I actually think it would be helpful if you know when new staff writers came in someone sat them down and kind of gave them their expectations um, I don't think it happens I think it should I think that's something maybe the guild should look at and kind of like staff writer orientation the same way they do showrunner training I think it'd be a helpful program um, of kind of what's expected, because I had no idea. So we didn't know. Uh, when we spoke, because no one knew us, they would sort of look at us weird. And if you <laughs> if, if you didn't speak, they would look at you weird because you had no ideas. It's a very uncertain place to be. Um, but, you know, to our credit, I think we figured it out pretty quickly. Yeah, I just, you know, you try to jump in and you try to be helpful. And I figured if, uh, if, all, the, if all the big kids around the table had spoken, and it got quiet. Well, there was there was my moment, <laughs> and uh, we just try to help fill the gaps. Um, and I just remember going around, and you, you know, it, it's like first day of school. You're trying to you're trying to make friends with everybody, figure out the pecking order, and uh, what they want and what's expected. I mean, for a show like Lie to Me, which is built on uh, Dr. Paul Ekman's work, I mean, the first thing he did was hand us like four of his books. <laughs> so you know, you started reading to try to figure out well, what's this show about and how does this all work. And what now I think your depiction is a very real depiction. And I, I, I hear often from showrunners when they do make the decision not to pick up staff writers, it is either because they spoke up too much or didn't speak up enough. So I think you, you touched on the idea, which is a very good advice, is the idea of feel the room, feel the temperament of the room understand when you should speak, when you should keep quiet and listen to others, which which is a process. And I think, um, TJ, to what you said, as far as the writer diversity programs, I think are structured. You guys were lucky because that was not a process. You, you, you got staffed. But I think that is what those programs are geared toward. But I do agree with you that I, I think it's not a bad idea to have a program open to everybody as far as what is, what do we expect in this process? Well, and the thing is, it's, I mean, it's not just one room. Yeah. Every time it's a different combination of producers and writers. And depending on who's in charge that day and, and what we're trying to get done, there are different expectations on, on what you're supposed to do. I mean, we, I remember we asked, we asked one producer how are we doing in there? And he's like, oh, you guys are doing great. I mean, you speak up. It's wonderful. 
Later, we had another producer pull us aside. You guys are talking way too much. Maybe you should just listen more. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah, this is last year, and it's a different room. You know, That's great. We, and, and we had to figure out the new dynamic this year and because and, um, it's a different room with different people. Um, you know, and I, honestly, though, I think that's why there haven't been programs because every room is different and the rules are different and the personalities are different and and the process is different. I actually know? I mean, this gets back to my my army days and the, the you know, every two weeks in the army, you had to sit down and counsel your subordinates. How you're doing just took 10 minutes. And I think, you know, someday, knock on wood, when we get that opportunity, that's something I'm going to make certain that we do because. Yeah. I think people, if they know how they're doing, will always perform better. Um, and, if, and, if, and if by chance people are doing something you don't like, I mean, they deserve a chance to be able to correct that. You know, I mean, if you think someone's, you know, behaving a way that you wouldn't like, let them know and give them a chance to, to see if they can turn it around. Yeah, as opposed to not saying anything till the end of the year and then not picking them up for the next year. And they have no idea that they were even doing something wrong. I like what you said when you said, when we get there. There again. <laughs> I love that. You guys know you're headed there. I have no doubt about that. That's the goal. I have yeah. no doubt about that. Now, with getting staffed, what script was read of yours um, to get staffed online to me? It was a Mad Men spec, uh, and it was a Mad Men spec dealing with the first electronic wristwatch. That was kind of the product. You know, amid all the other personal things that are going on on Mad Men, it's a very character-driven show. But interestingly enough, everyone told us, don't do a Mad Men spec. And we did it because we liked it. I mean, it was a show we were watching. It was a show we knew. We didn't have to go out and rent like every, you know, this, the first season and try to catch up. Um, and we, we came up with some ideas we really, we really liked. The, the key is passion. I mean, everyone, there can be a hot spec in town. Well, well guess what? 99,000 other writers are writing that hot spec. And because people said, well, if you do a Mad Men, you're really going to have to knock it out of the park. Isn't that the case with any spec that's going to get you hired? You're going to have to knock it out of the park. And you can't knock anything out of the park if you don't love the show. So I, I would I would give anyone advice who's looking to spec anything. Love the show. I think that's great advice. And it's interesting because when you did write Mad Men, that was January of 2000. Eight? No, no, no. That was actually a little bit later that year. I started telling people in January of 2008, write Mad Men, and agents were looking at me like I was crazy. Nobody knows that show. There's not enough people. And I thought, no, that was the best writing. So that is going to be a hot spec. And then, of course, as soon as it gets up for an Emmy and Golden Globes, then everybody's writing. But it it still is not – it's still a very strong spec to write. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not – the market hasn't been totally inundated. And where I'm going to give you guys kudos is you guys did hit yours out of the ballpark. So (laughs) it was, you know, I think that I look at at that and I think, yes, it is a – fascinating thing when you look at what am I passionate what do I love the fact that the watch was something that you had right yeah that that watch I my mother actually gave me a replica of that first watch um for my high school graduation and uh so I mean again you're just drawing on things that are you're passionate about or that are close to you or that you can conjure up emotions about I mean how do you how do you emotionalize a watch you know and I, I had something to draw on there luckily enough and I think our, our passion for that show um, bled through when people read it. I mean, we uh, did a lot of research. We picked a specific week uh, during the World Series. And I mean, we, 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 we did all this sort of 
background work. Um, but and it was pe- fun. But it was fun, and it wasn't it wasn't too dry, and people people noticed it. But it was like, okay, these guys really got into this, and that that helps make it a fun read. Well, that was a key choice. That was a key choice in the journey. And on that note, we are going to take a break. I'm here with T.J. Brady and Rashid Newson of Lie to Me. This is Jen Grisanti at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc. You're listening to StoryWise with entertainment consultant Jen Grisanti. StoryWise is a podcast designed to give you the story behind the people who tell stories, offering you insight on what it takes to work as a writer in television and film. Hear this and other podcasts on www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com, a full-service writer consultancy committed to guiding your vision. We are back with TJ Brady and Rashid Newson of Light Me on Fox, Monday nights at 9 p.m. I would like to ask you next, with regards to your mentors, who have your mentors been and what have you learned from them? Um, from afar, before I even worked for the man, Sean Ryan was a mentor. Um, I just admired his work on the shield and the unit, uh, working for him now and getting to watch him and just watch his process and see how he runs that room. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm learning more every day from that than, than I could reading a hundred books. Um, and then there's, there's two other women in the room who, also come come from Sean's kind of bloodline, um, Sarah Fain and Liz Kraft, who have been huge mentors to us. I'll let Rashid get a little into that, but they 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 really mentored us through some a lot of learning and some some tough times. Well, you you come into a room and no one ever kind of says, okay, well this is how you break a story, except uh, Sarah and Liz sort of said, here's how you break a story, and they did that. <laughs> <laughs> they did that without making us feel stupid. It was just like, oh. Well, you know what we probably need next here is, and you know, just kind of oh, and if you were paying attention, you go, you you kind of picked up the building blocks for how to how to do the job. I also thought uh, Dave Hemmingson was a consulting mm-hmm. producer Absolutely. for a few months on Lie to Me, and he came in and was, I mean, while being absolutely hilarious, taught us how to how to be in the world. Um, it was really good. With regards, I, I'm interested, and I always like to know because I have people with. Writers on the Verge, um, being the writing instructor for Writers on the Verge, we're now breaking story for pilots. Mm -hmm. And it is a very interesting process into going, how does one break story? So can you elaborate a little bit on on what was taught? You mentioned building blocks. and I mean, really, so much of story comes out of, of character. It's like plot and character is so, so intertwined. It's, I think, being open to not separating the two, and also, I you know the best stories at every at every major turn makes you reevaluate everything you've seen before. You know, oh, I thought the, I thought they were married. Oh, wait a minute, I thought that guy was dead. Hold on, I mean, who took the money? Um, so, I mean, those sort of those sort of turns and finding them without being ridiculous. I mean, a really good story hits you with a surprise, but then when you think about it, you go, oh, of course, of course, it was there all along. Sarah, Liz, and uh, Sean have an expression that we've kind of adopted called money scenes. And it's kind of trying to find, you know, you have your basic idea, your hook for the episode. You sort of know where you want to go. And what money scenes can we have in this script that can help get us there? And a lot of it is just kind of like slaloming around those poles you plant as things you would like to see your main characters doing. So that's, that's one way of looking at it. 
No, I like that. I like. I think it's always interesting, and you you also one of the things that uh, Jeffrey Kitchen had taught me at the beginning of my career, which I think certainly goes into procedurals, is the idea if you take the script from the back to the front and make sure there's a setup in every preceding scene. So certainly for procedurals, what which is what you said, that you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, what led to this? And you, you look at all the scenes and make sure that there's a connection and a trigger and a setup in every preceding scene, certainly in a procedural, that, that is a very important thing, you know. Um, now, as far as, um, let's see, staying with, the writer's room what also what what has been would you say one of the most challenging moments in the room and how did you get over it oh um i think probably the most challenging moments are when you've got a beat or an act or a story that you're just sure is good i mean god you love it right and um it's turning against you i mean people people want to kill that beat or they've got another idea and as staff writers, I mean, we, you know, we have to, I mean, politically, we have to be very careful. You know, you can't push back. Um, and yet, sometimes I find I might be pushing back. <laughs> so TJ will tug on my sleeve. Um, but, I mean, sometimes you have to let it go, just letting it go and having confidence to be like, okay, that was a great beat. I still feel that way. It's not going to be. But I can come up with another one. You know, we'll just, we'll just find something else. Yeah, there's that, or there's there's um, a lot of comments, you know, that kind of fly through the air and can stick you like an arrow about how how you know how bad that beat was or how bad that line was, and you just have to let it go. Every, no one is immune from those. I mean, you feel them more when you're a staff writer and you feel more more vulnerable. But I've seen everyone from the highest to the lowest get get stuck with with some of those barbs. So the, the, it's amazing because we're writers, and you think you would be very careful with your words when talking to another person. But people say things, oh, well, I mean, you know, I think we want to come up with a smart way of doing something. And I'm thinking, oh, as opposed to the dumb way I proposed? I mean, really? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, but nobody, no, like I said, nobody's immune from that. That's, you know, staff writers just don't get hit with, everyone gets hit with those arrows. So it's just thickening up your skin. That's it. It's it's interesting. I remember when I was at Spelling and, and uh, climbing the ladder there as an executive and being in meetings and being with Aaron Spelling and the likes of everyone who surrounded him and feeling the same way. But I think there was a gift in recognizing everybody has their good day and everybody has their bad day. And it doesn't matter how high you get, those good days and bad days are going to come. And it really is how you deal with them. It really is how you, someone once said to me, it's not how many mistakes you'll make in this business because you will make lots. It's how you respond to them. It's how you fix them. It's how you move past them. It's how you respond. So I think <laughs> as far as the writer's room, I mean, you guys are going to, I think it's checking your ego at the door, which it sounds like you guys have done a really good job at. I mean, well, we, we have good days. Bad days. Yes. I mean, what's great is, what's nice about there being two of us is, you know, if, if, if I'm particularly frustrated, I mean, TJ can sense it, and then suddenly TJ will do more of the talking, or vice versa. Like you can kind of, you can kind of pull back a little bit and kind of get, 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 you know. And there's, I mean, there's ways you can invent to get out of the room just for a breather. I mean, like you know, there's, there's sometimes all you need is a break. You just feel like you're <laughs> under assault a little bit, and you need a little break, and then everything's fine. But yeah, we, we're pretty good at, at uh, keeping an eye on the other one and knowing when that person it's not their day. 
So that's a be- another benefit of having a team member. Huge benefit. Yeah. I, <laughs> oh, I mean, and even if you've had a bad day, I mean, there's just some days I have no ideas. I mean, we're in there for three hours, four hours, and I don't get anything on the board. But TJ does, and our joke is that, you know, people only have to like one of us. <laughs> yeah, that's our big thing. I love that. I think that's great. Now, as far as your, your individual writing processes, how many hours do you write a day? You know, it's so hard to say now because we are in the room so much. Um, you could be in the room all day. I, I kind of count that as writing. Uh, you're coming up with ideas. But, uh, you know, we had a few days this week where we weren't in the room and we were off breaking our own story. I mean, you know, given the chance, it's at, if, you, if you subtract out, you know, lunch and taking walks for a break, I mean, it's a good five or six hours without, and- without even needing a, a rest, five or six hours with no problem. So you break story in the room, and then each individual writer goes off to write the script. Is that how? Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much the uh, the process. Does the group outline and script together, or just outline? Just just the just the outline. I mean, the just outline. The, just that just that board. Great. But, then, but but I mean, you still have a lot of white space. I mean, they they're saying, okay, well, this is the scene where Doctor Lightman is going to confront, um, you know, the teacher. But no one said exactly how that should take shape. You know what you want out of that scene. But, you know, we've got to kind of figure out what it's going to look like. And I have to say, I mean, when I saw your guys' first produced episode last year, I was, wow. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, it had a military story and it had an emotional story because it connected Tim Ross character with a friend involved. It was amazing. It was amazing. And I, I know that you have a produced episode about to happen this year. When does that air? Airs November 9th. And when you think about like what your first episode and that experience was on Lie to Me, do you get to act like producers? Do you get to be a part of the production of your episode? Yeah, uh, that's what's so gratifying is, be, you know, being able to be on set and, and really interact with the director and uh, advise, you know, when they need you and advise the writer, uh, the I'm sorry, the actors when they need you. Um, and just to we've become such better writers by being on set. I, we've grown leaps and bounds just by seeing how it all comes together. And you can you begin to be able to write scripts that are, I mean, still, you know, they, they still do everything you want as a story, but they're production friendly. You go, okay, well, maybe I can make it easy on everybody involved if I don't put 15,000 people and I, you know, don't have a you know, helicopter crash here. That's a good point. I mean, you, just, you just start getting more production friendly, and it's going to make life so much better when you get down there on set. I mean, <clears throat> if the scene is a quarter of a page or four pages long, it still takes a good hour and a half to do the setup for that scene. So you want to make sure if it only is a quarter of a page, it better be damn well worth it. <laughs> See, and I, I, James Kearney, your agent at UTA, James said to me when he went to visit you on the set, it was so amazing to see how well received you were with the actors, which I have to tell you, that's a huge thing for staff writers. Um, you know, winning your actors and having strong relationships with your actors is is a key part of the process of succeeding in this town. So, and and also being writers who your actors want to read your words. 
Well, I'll say we go down there and we talk to everyone. I mean, we introduce ourselves to if you're if you're just if you're a stand in for the day, you met us, um, the crew, the cast, everybody, because you want to know how it all works. You want to know how it's it's all put together. And oftentimes you just want to say thank you, because whatever they've built is a lot better than you had ever imagined it would be. And so you're just sort of grateful. Um, and as far as the cast, I mean, it was I mean, this is another it's just another part of the collaboration. That we particular, I mean, we're very, we're very open to. Yeah, I, I love being on set. I love being with the actors and with the crew. Um, that really brings me back to the military days. I mean, you have heavy machinery being moved around by lots of people for a common goal. Um, and every single person there is a part of, I, I, every single person, from the electrician to, to the lead of the show, is trying to make words that we wrote come to life. How can you not be humbled and grateful about that? So I really think you have to always remember that every single every single time we're down there, and I hope I never forget it. And what was when you you look at your first episode versus this episode? What is the difference? Is there something you learned from the first episode, Rashid? You tapped on the idea that you know better to make it production friendly. Is was there anything like on the set etiquette that you learned from the ver- first experience versus the second experience? Um, on the set etiquette. Well, I mean, at first one, I think we were we did a lot of taking it in, um, and I, we probably we probably didn't. We felt more confident to say, okay, well, this is what we were thinking this time around. A little more active. A little yeah. more. A little more active. Um, I mean, some of this is going to sound probably a little dry, but like. We just we you know we, every time we look at a scene we're trying to think okay how you know what's the least number of people we can get away with having in here um, I mean this the, our next episode is, is you know Tim Roth almost versus uh, Mackay Pfeiffer I mean those two characters just go at it so it's like well how how can we get more one on one confrontations I mean if those are your two you know money players in this episode how do we keep putting them at each other um, in in new and interesting ways every here's another thing we learned I mean just like a quarter page is the same setup as four pages, every character you add in that scene is going to add at least a half an hour to it. So are they really necessary? Are they really important to that scene? What are they doing? Are they going to stand there the whole scene and just say, all right then, let's go, because you really don't need them there. And trust me, the actor doesn't want to be there for that. (laughs) I mean, that's how you stay in good with the actors, I think. So that's the biggest thing we learned from last year. Um, it, I that I learned personally. I mean, we had a lot of scenes last year with you know ten people in a room. Well, guess what? Everyone down there is so professional. They're going to get coverage of all ten people, and that takes time. So let's make sure each one of those person people has a really good reason for being there. I think those are excellent, excellent points. Writing wise, you both have also written features individually and together. What what would you say is the difference between in your process with writing a feature versus writing TV? Um, I don't know if the process is different. We're still doing the outline. You're still passing it back and forth. Um, you know, TV, because it has a more defined season and, and, and schedule, you know, requires a certain amount of discipline. You know, we know from the moment they hand us the script, you know, it's got to go into prep. Uh, and what is that timeline like from the time that you say come up with the outline to the time you're filming? How how long is that time? If I know if you're lucky, if you're lucky, you get a month. Yeah. I would say you get a month. Okay. Um, but it's probably closer to two weeks. Right. <laughs> when, yeah. when things start, when things really from start. From outline to script? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've seen that. We've yeah. seen that. But, you know, people always pull it off. Yeah. You have to. You have you no choice. You do what you have to do. And TV, there are I mean, they're shooting deadlines. this thing. Yeah, they're shooting this thing. Features, I mean, God bless every feature writer out there because I don't know how they live with the sort of the – I mean, it just – it never ends, you know? You, we had a meeting like two months ago, and everybody's like, that's a great meeting. And we're still sort of waiting to hear yeah, out. Supposedly, yeah, we're still alive for this thing. I mean, we hope so. I'd, but if, if I was looking to pay my rent from this, I'd have had an ulcer and a heart attack by now. This, so. you mean features. Yeah. Yeah, your yeah, feature from that me- I mean, yeah. it's just a long, more drawn-out process, and no one seems to be in a hurry. I, I, really, appreciate, <laughs> I really appreciate the immediacy of television. Things, yeah. things get written, things get shot, episodes get shown. What do you view as your strength at this point in your career as writers? What do you view as your strengths and what do you view as areas that you would like to work on? A big strength I think we have uh, both as individuals but even more so as a team is we work very quickly. I think we are very good at you know, breaking stories and writing stories very fast. And, we, you know, that was the, the case when we were alone. Uh, when the two of us, it's even faster. Um, and I think they're good. I don't think it's just we're speeding through for the sake of speeding through. I think they're very good. Um, I also think we, I mean, we have a good time in the room, and I like to think that we uh, we are are pretty giving in the room. Like, I mean, I, I, even when it's not our story, if we know we're not going to be writing an episode, it's not as if we go in there and take a nap. I mean, we both go in there saying, okay, we've got a story to break. Where can we? I mean, we're, we're as excited to get something on the board for someone else's story as we are our own. As far as things I feel, you know, just for myself need to work on, it's, it's giving notes on other people's scripts. That is an art in and of itself. Writing a script is one thing. Giving good, thoughtful actionable, understandable notes to someone else in a way that doesn't, you know, turn the, make them tune out to what you're saying is a hell of a skill. Um, I'm okay at it. I'm really not that good. I, 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 I could really improve in that area and uh, hope that I do over time. I'm thinking, there are things I, there are certainly things I want to be better at. I'm, I'm thinking of Josh Singer was a writer on, during the first season of Lie to Me, and he could have these three-minute stretches where he would lay out five, ten beats. I mean, they were just great, incredible. The whole spine of a story right there. And I can go about 30 seconds. <laughs> I can do about a beat or two. And, you know, you just hope that you get you get better at every aspect of the job. I mean, we, we start now, you know, we're looking at the, you know, the cuts of our episode. And at, at, I think the first time we started doing that sort of thing, I was just absolutely helpless. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to be of any value here. But you start, to, you start to see spots where you can go, okay, well, maybe we could cut that or could we move this around? Um, so you just want to kind of get stronger. I, I think those are great answers. I think, I don't think, I think in writing you were in life, you are constantly learning. It's never Mm -hmm. like, oh, now I know it all. Or, oh, I'm a, even a co-EP or an EP and now all the answers are there. No, that's when there's more, more pressure. So gaining the tools Mm -hmm. that you guys touched on, I think, I I think those are, are great areas. How did you get your agent? Uh, from you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the shortest answer. Yeah, the shortest answer. I mean, after working with you um, and getting our kind of a, a, a portfolio together of a couple pilots and a couple spec scripts, 
and getting your honest assessment of where they were at. And once you thought they were strong enough, you helped us reach out to a few uh, and got us read, which is really all you can do for anyone is get them the opportunity. And we are forever grateful for it. So, Yeah, and we uh, went over to UTA with uh, David Park and, and, and James Kearney. And, I mean, that felt right to us. They liked us. We liked them. Uh, and it's been good ever since. And you did have other choices as well. So it was a decision that, like, I I always like to have an understanding of how writers decide to go where they go. What was it about David and James? I, I mean, obviously, I know they liked your work from the very beginning, and that's always flattering. But w- what would you say? what made you know this is the place for us? We went on a couple meetings and it was the person was telling us how they were going to make us the biggest thing in Hollywood. That if we played our cards right, we would just, you know, we'd be going into nightclubs and making it rain. Um, And that wasn't really our goal. Yeah, that wasn't what we were interested in. And David and James were like, okay, well, this is how we could build a career. Here's how you could be doing this for the next 20, 30 years. Um, and, and, And by the way, this is what we're good at, helping writers get on their feet. Um, and so that was that was just much more interesting. We, we never wanted to be the guys from Entourage. No, that wasn't it. And, and also just connecting with them as people about other things other than writing and getting staff. That, that to me and I know to Rashid is always important. I mean, I don't just want to talk to them about percentages and jobs and this and that. Um, I can talk to them as a person. I also I mean, since they were going to be representing us, I think it was very important to us that we had you know, people we thought were good people. I mean, I, I know that, I mean, there, there might be They're some, amazing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but there, but I think some people like, it's like, oh, I want a mean guy or I want a tough person to sort of kick down doors. And I thought, no, nah, no, 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 not in our name. No, not, yeah, not on our behalf. And we also, I, I want to mention um, Doug Johnson, who is our feature agent at UTA, who's also a great guy. I mean, that guy has been hustling for us on the feature side very, very hard. And, and we haven't made him a dime, but he still and he's he takes still. our calls. And you know. I would say in the feature world, you're, you're, you're certainly not alone with feeling <laughs> that way. <laughs> Lots of people not making a dime in the feature world. Um, now, what I, I like that, and I, I think what you have to recognize, I, I, you guys certainly for me were such a huge, huge accomplishment to see it all happen and and it is even in this recognizing I can open a door you have to walk through it and you have through having the material through having two spec scripts they had a Friday Night Lights a Mad Men and two pilots and it really did take all four in order for you to get signed so that I mean they're they're looking what I learned is they're not looking for that one script they're looking for writers who can work you know for a whole career. And as I say to people, I mean, it is one thing to come to um, a writer consultancy like mine and say I want an agent, but obviously the writing it has to be there. I don't even think that was our goal. I mean, I if I remember our goal was we wanted to enter some of the writing diversity programs. And I mean, that was it was a really modest goal. It was like, can we get into one of these programs? And then it just sort of, you know, took off from there. And then it happened. Yeah. You know, I I think that's great. Now, with regards to writing, what would you say inspires you to write? If you were to look at your lives and think about were there any universal life moments, something that happened in your background that made you recognize or start to feel your voice, 
what would those be? Really, for me, it was just a love of movies, a love of television, a love of great stories, whether they be novels or, you know, journalism pieces. Just I found that I connected with people over these things, over did you see that movie and talk about it for two hours or sitting through a show? I mean, people sharing experiences and sharing emotions and sharing feelings through this medium, through this art. And, and you know, it, to be associated with that in any way is such a gift. I, 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 that's what keeps me going. It's just that the hope that, the, that someday I can make someone out there feel what I have felt through my whole life through the, the films and shows that I've loved. Um. I would say, for me, it's, I, mean, I can't imagine a better way of making a living. I mean, I get up in the morning and I can't wait to get to work. I can't wait to do this thing. Um, I feel like a fan who somehow got to, you know, sneak backstage, you know, and they're, and they're letting me work on the big show. Um, I, you know, my parents and my family, I mean, they love television. They love movies. And you, and you grew up kind of seeing the impact. And I was telling TJ earlier, I, mean, I remember in L.A. Law when Rosalind Shays fell down the elevator shaft. My mom like screamed her head off. You know, it was it was wonderful. You know, you come running into the room, and she's like, "There was this thing on TV," and I mean, and don't you just want to replicate that sort of thing for other people? Yeah, I d- I did a lot of uh, movie watching with my mother. It was mostly war movies, which she blames for my entrance into the military. <laughs> uh, but um, and just that connection I had with her. Uh, and my father, my father is like this huge Kevin Bacon fan. Anything with Kevin Bacon, and just being able to connect with him like that is. I mean, movies and, and, and television can, can really bring people together. I think that's great. That's very, very true. Ultimate career goal-wise, what is the ultimate goal? I think uh, we're both going to say to create and run our own show. Yeah, I would, I would love, I mean, run our own show, of course. But also, I mean, I would, I would love it if you know after we're out of the game, you look back and there are 10 other showrunners who maybe got their start on our show. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, just to kind of cultivate that, uh, you know, cultivate success in other people, too. That's that's part and parcel of it, definitely. You guys have a beautiful spirit between you. I have to say that. And I love seeing success happen to such tremendous people. And I am so grateful that you joined us today and you shared so much of yourselves and your experience and I know our audience is going to gain so much from it so I thank you so much for joining me thank you for having us thank you so much Jen and we are out with TJ Brady and Rashid Newson of Lie to Me this is Jen Grisanti of Jen Grisanti Consultancy Inc thank you you've been listening to StoryWise with Jen Grisanti If you're looking to get to the next step in your career and need a guide who has been there and knows what it takes, go to www.gengrisanticonsultancy.com. On the website, you can also find the latest on writing programs, feature film festivals, and other writing competitions. StoryWise is produced by Joel Metzger and Hot House Bruiser Productions. 